Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to Nerd Association from the studios of WBNS-FM in Columbus, Ohio. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. We're joined by a very special guest today, one Jennifer Lopez. Not the one you're thinking of. She's <laughs> actually uh, my fiance, and she was nice enough to come on here and spend even more time with me than she normally has to. Daniel. Yes. J-Lo. What do you think of when I say Alexander Hamilton? Uh, you can't see because it's a podcast, but I just aggressively rolled my eyes at you. <laughs> um, what do I think of? Mm-hmm. Probably the first thing that comes to my head is when the show first came out and they were off Broadway, there was this opportunity to see it for like a discount for students. Mm-hmm. And my my grandfather who still is in New York. I tried to tell him, um, there's a show we've got to go see it it's going to be awful the tickets are like 15 bucks let's go and he said no i have to work and i said it probably not worth it anyway the trip to the city to get there and you know sit there for two and a half hours and then it was hamilton so jokes on me yeah, you, you judged that one uh, pretty well, huh? Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> yeah I nailed it. <laughs> we talked about this before we, we started recording. I had, I, of course, I knew Hamilton existed, um, but I had not heard it and I had not seen it uh, until we were preparing for this show. So, of course, when I think of Hamilton, I think about the $10 bill. I think about, you know, founding father, Federalist Papers, first Treasury Secretary, things like that. And, of course, spoiler alert. He dies in a duel. <laughs> uh, big, you know, maybe a big part of the show. Um, well, that's how I first heard about him was sure. through the duel. And I had never heard like Alexander Hamilton, you know, exclusively. But we I mean, it was, you know, fifth or sixth grade or whatever mm-hmm. in American history. And you start talking about the first president, the second president. And then you're like, oh, third president and then the vice president. Um, he was in a duel. And then you're like what he was in a duel like that was just like okay for him to do he was like yeah and he shot and killed someone and you were like wait what and then he was still the vice president after that and then you're like well who was the guy that he shot and killed he was like well it was the first secretary of treasury and you're like what is happening in america at this time it's it's wild. Yeah. Well, everything is legal in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> God. Well, and I was going to say when probably when you were studying that was around the time that another vice president shot somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No. I mean, it's it's a wild story. And and as you said, when you think about the concept of the musical Hamilton, like I think probably before it was this big hit, everyone was like, really. In fact, there's we talked about there's this footage of of Lin-Manuel Miranda performing for President Obama in 2009, like that first number from the show. And when he says, you know, what's my name? Alexander Hamilton. The crowd laughs because, of course, (laughs) a a musical about Alexander Hamilton seems ridiculous. Exactly. Even David Diggs, I, you know, have been watching, listening to all this stuff for four years before it Mm -hmm. dropped on Disney Plus. And David Diggs in multiple interviews has said, yeah, Lynn came up to me with this idea and pitched it and basically said, are you crazy? Like, this is a terrible (laughs) idea. And then he plays Thomas Jefferson in Mm -hmm. the show and Lafayette. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the the musical wasn't spun from gold. It was something they had to make on their own, and it worked its way up to Broadway to become this mega hit. But just like you said, it was originally an off-Broadway play that really people just seeing it in the, the you know, the internet or the paper. Nobody reads the paper. But just seeing I mean, it. I like, mean, when you're in New York, you might read the Yeah, <laughs> that's like all you do on the train because you lose service. Anyway, so, like, that's People true. still do. Okay. Were you reading the paper? No. Okay. So there we go. But like I was saying, it was just a a show that kind of just came up and it was just because I think because Lin-Manuel cared about it so much and that he put so much work into it and you can see that on stage. And then it also just goes against what normal, what you normally see from a musical. And I think people like that. And that was one of the reasons it also became so popular because of the hip hop. Well, it is definitely the brainchild of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, and you can tell just in, I mean, he obviously plays a protagonist in the show, but he 
definitely i don't know if relates is the right word but sees himself in him just because of alexander hamilton's background how he came to america as an immigrant like that whole story i think he really sees himself in that character or the character that he creates for the show anyway well and i think there's it's interesting because of course it's it's the first one of the first broadway cast that's all people of color or, or, or has everyone from every sort of range of the spectrum of people of color in a way that Broadway normally doesn't or is thought of at least for a long time as for a quote-unquote sure. white person's medium. So I think it's interesting, you know, given that, that makeup, how he takes a lot of these concepts of the founding fathers and the origins of our country and things that were just sort of given to them and ties that into sort of the immigrant experience uh, the experience of people of color, and in also it's it's a love letter to New York City, and Absolutely. sort and a lot of the things that that people who live in New York City even today are you know deal with, no matter what your station is. Yeah, there's this great um, PBS documentary about the show, and you know sort of a little mini biography about Alexander Hamilton and Lin-Manuel Miranda says while he was building the show and while he's reading the book Ron Chernow yeah Yeah. his book about Alexander Hamilton he's reading it and says this is this is the classic hip-hop story and then you know it spirals from there but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention everything that's going on right now with the mm-hmm. show. And I'm not sure if, I don't know if it was last night, but there was like talks of canceling Hamilton because of obviously like the nature of how it depicts the founding fathers and slavery and their viewpoints towards it. Um, and he's gone on to say that it's basically fair game, whether you want to critique it or not, or if there are criticism, those are absolutely fair. And he's right, because the Founding Fathers are not blameless or faultless or you know, completely idealistic in the way that the show portrays. But I think the, the way that Lin-Manuel incorporates different flavors and different cultures and even the one-off line like immigrants who get the job done Mm -hmm. um it's not holding them blameless but it's definitely showing that you know there is an issue here that we're not talking about and this is not a band-aid for it but it's just a way of acknowledging that this is this is something that we can use for it at least in the broadway community is progress well and he said that he wanted to make sure to portray the founding fathers not as to take them off the pedestal right and even like george washington who we think of as being this sort of blameless person he owned slaves he was a southern far you know farmer before he was a general before he was president and the ways in which you know, Washington in his own time had to deal with those issues and that they never got that done, that that was something that was left undone because it was just considered a, a way of a way of life in the South. But I do think that it's it's as much as it's it's irresponsible to like idolize founding fathers. It's also irresponsible to say that you can't take any lessons from from the things that were going on and the way that they inform the discourse in our country even today like Absolutely. so many of those issues and even though he didn't write it for the you know sort of last four or five years because it was already on you know it was already up and coming by the time that uh, a lot of this disrest was coming to the surface right like those things still ring true now yeah and are, i mean it took him seven years to write the mm-hmm. show seven years to you know to get it together and it it's obviously it's seen differently in 2015 2016 when obama's president sure. and now um and different lines get different applauses and laughter in other places but i think the most important thing and it's pretty universal for whenever you're watching it if you're watching it on disney plus or if you saw the original broadway show or if you see any of the touring casts it gives people like me like you know, my nieces and nephews an opportunity to see themselves on mm-hmm. stage. And I think that's going to be timeless, a timeless effort for the show. Yeah. So obviously we're talking about Hamilton right now because of the Disney plus release and it's making it widely available. And we have you on because you're, you're the expert. You're the nerd. I'm the nerd. And for anyone who says that this nerd. is, <laughs> if this is any, if anyone says this is nerdy, um, if you don't like 
sex politics and rap then like don't talk to me <laughs> yeah that's a pretty milk toast existence if you can't get on board with one of those things right <laughs> so why why are you you know you touched on this a little bit but why are you such a big fan of hamilton and what were highlights what are highlights for you in the show like what really brings you in so when i let's go back to what my nerd association mm-hmm. um when I think of Hamilton, I think of a guy who is ambitious, driven, but definitely a guy with many, many flaws. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I like most about the show is that I, so I'm a history major and I wouldn't say, yeah, just like a disclaimer, I am not an expert on American history. <laughs> um, my specialty was a uh, late medieval, so very different, yeah, but I can certainly. appreciate other points of sure. history. Um, What I love about this is that a lot of the times when we look back on history and we um, discuss it, we're not really talking about the people, we're talking about the events, and this really creates three-dimensional characters. Mm -hmm. So, like, Hamilton was, in reality, this hot, charming, can I drop an F-bomb? Can you bleep it out? Because <laughs> he was the ultimate fuck boy. Yeah. Like dictionary.com. It's going to say Alexander Hamilton next to it. Um, and the show does a great job of doing that. But it also shows, I mean, the more the softer side of him mm-hmm. with Eliza and Angelica and, you know, delving into what happened with his mother and stuff. I think my favorite part of the show, though, is Aaron Burr. He's so is, good. Oh, God, he's so they, good. They he's set so him up good. so clearly to be the villain, and yet he's so you still see his point, and you still, by the end, you, you sympathize with him in some ways as much, if not more. Right. In the beginning of the show, you're like, oh, okay, so if you don't know anything about U.S. history and you're going into this totally blind, you still immediately know that he's the guy who's going to kill Hamilton at the end of the show. Um, What's so great about it, though, is that you're ready to hate him and then wait for it. Mm -hmm. His first solo song comes up and you're like, I totally get how you can get from one place to trying to be friends and building this country together and even sharing ideals to shooting someone. Sure. Like what makes someone turn like that? They're sort of like the classic frenemies, Mm -hmm. but it it gets to a much bigger level than most people would get with any of their frenemies. But I, I agree with you guys, Aaron Burr, like he seems like he's going to be bad the whole show, but I think they, uh, I think they really do a a much better job of building out, uh, Jefferson as the real villain of the show. Sure. Yeah. The, the guy who just you 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 love to hate. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. who uh was kind of doing all this political wheeling dealing behind the scenes and thought in even in more ways than like Hamilton thought he knew everything. He just was, you know, the smartest guy in the room. You couldn't tell him differently. Yeah, well, I think that's yeah, absolutely true. I mean, true. he wrote the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> he go he's quoting himself in the show right (laughs) like it doesn't get more cocky than that and then he checks out to france for the war oh yeah he's like yeah brb i'm gonna go do a bunch of pot and like sleep with (laughs) all of the women and probably get syphilis and bring it back my wife is dead i don't really care and then just come back and like oh no now it's my now i'm president but then when hamilton has an affair it's a big deal to jefferson well jefferson didn't admit it (laughs) to literally everyone he doesn't write a pamphlet and pass it out to people that he did it i as a person who like is a a student of history i didn't know about that chapter in history and was as shocked as anyone else when i was like what are you doing i mean it's insane yeah and the he could not keep his mouth shut he couldn't he couldn't do it (laughs) well it seems like a moment where like throughout his whole career he had been able to talk his way write his way smart his way out of any situation he thought i can just do it with this one and it's like well this one is a little bit to more to do with opinion than reason sure and you're not going to be able to just reason your way out of it and it seems like he was getting to the point where at least the depiction from the the musical is that his writing was starting to ramble he was yeah. he was getting way too into his own head with all the things he was putting out there there's this great line in the first draft of burn eliza's song mm-hmm. and it's called first burn and it's on youtube it's incredible um they have the touring women who play Eliza sing it and it goes your enemies whisper so you have to scream and that totally embodies Hamilton's mindset and you can tell in the pamphlet 
he's just trying to cover his ass. Yeah. Well, and, and it doesn't seem to have the emotional intelligence or doesn't because he's so focused on his career and like the importance of, of clearing his name at where the treasury is involved that he like doesn't understand that he's tearing down his legacy in a completely different way. Right. His legacy, his family and going back to Eliza, that's a, that's a lot of her whole character is when is it going to be enough for you? When will you realize that we're are your family is your legacy? Yeah. I think the thing, you know, we were talking about the fact that no, there's no perfect character. I even think though that like Eliza I didn't like her during the first act or I didn't like the, you know, they definitely set her up to be the thing that holds him back. And he feels that way. Like he's being held back by her. That's up. so interesting that you say that. But because, but I think then by, you know, by the time that he's, you know, committing infidelities and then with the Reynolds pamphlet, then it's, then you, tr- your, my opinion changed. But it, during that first half, I was like, you know, maybe she really wasn't. Like, maybe she isn't enough for him. Well, maybe with, like, historical context, too. Like, the only reason why Hamilton was able to accomplish most of the stuff that he did was because he ends up marrying into the Schuyler family. That's, like... That's like marrying a Rockefeller at that yeah. time, basically. Like the the publicity that mm-hmm. gets you, the connection that gets you, um, and the only reason why I would say I didn't like Eliza in the first act, even though I love Helpless, um, she's kind of like just like that girl that is just like so happy all the time. You're like, oh God, she's rich and pretty, and she's gonna get the dude. Like, I was gonna say they kind of paint her as like naive in that first act, and then like Angelica is the one who's like, okay, I'll take care of everything and I'll work this all out because I've got the responsibility of marrying Rich and you you can have Alexander and we'll figure it all out. And she's like, yay. Well, yeah, they definitely, you know, in in the sort of the sort of uh, oeuvre of theater, there's always that character that that you're just supposed to like because, and she's definitely set up to be that character at first. And then, like I said, I got those. There's that that song where she, you know, can't. Am I not enough for you? I just felt like that was a moment. Where I was like, oh, you know, this maybe this guy, maybe he is. This isn't going to be enough for him. Maybe she is going to be holding him back. I don't know. I just, I guess, my whole point in saying that was even the character who you're really supposed to like, yeah, has moments where you can dislike her, and she's more than just that sort of one note character. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it serves as a good foil for Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, because even if he's with uh, Angelica, he's never going to be satisfied. We, yeah, they set they set it up to be as though maybe that would have been the thing. Maybe that would have been the thing that would have satisfied him. But you know what relationship it kind of reminds me of, and you have a similar feeling when you're watching this piece of media. Alexander Hamilton's not a full-on anti-hero, but it reminded me just when we're talking about this of Breaking Bad, yeah. the way that like Skylar White, Skylar, hmm. yeah, Skylar White is uh, is played up to be like this horrible, non-supportive wife, and Walter White's just so you know he's so motivated to g- make this drug empire, and then you're supposed to hate Skylar, and it's like, well, really, the the people doing the bad things right. are the character you're liking right now in Walter White, and so Alexander Hamilton, he's not to that level and he does he did good things as well but it just that kind of relationship and the way you're supposed to react as an audience kind of reminded me of that well sure and i think it's a good comparison because then there is that turn where you yeah you're rooting for hamilton and then there's that turn where you're like you know what though he's not so great either (laughs) and you're and you're kind of left yeah yeah they're they're imperfect they're human and you have to instead of finding a hero you have to try to find the best in all of the characters which i think is a useful exercise for theater in a way that they normally you normally don't get it's normally just so uh, monochromatic for lack of a better term can we talk about that a little bit further because i think a great example of this is burr the way that they portray him in the show and like the historical context around it um in the show it gives you so much more of an opportunity to empathize with Burr and to understand him a little better. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, normally a lot of historians either paint him solely as a villain or, you know, spend like an entire chapter defending his character. Um, But like Burr was like a kind of weird, messed up dude. Like my alley into this is that I love musicals and I love musical theater and music in general. And one of the things that Hamilton does so well is the motifs. 
oh, the, you yeah. know, the, the bits of, of music or text that keep coming back in different forms. Um, and I think that Wait For It, which is Burr's, you know, first kind of solo song about his character. And then that motif keeps coming up through different parts of the, you know, there's five different instances of it where it comes up. And every time you start off by the Wait For It being sympathetic he he is so hesitant because everyone he's ever loved has died he wants to be the one to carry on the legacy he's scared of losing it all and so the wait for it is this sort of caution that comes from being afraid of losing everything which he has everything to lose right opposite from hamilton who similarly has very similar path beginning doesn't have any family is looking to make a name for himself blah 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 and he's not going to waste a shot right which i think and and the, you know all the wait for it's the last time that that wait for it comes up is the moment that uh, Alexander Hamilton raises his gun and he he realizes too late that he should have this this was the one time where he should have waited right and didn't after waiting and waiting and waiting the first time he takes action is, is the first time he actually takes a stance on something is shooting Alexander Hamilton yeah, yeah. and that's and that's gonna follow him for the rest of his life he mm-hmm. lives the, after his life you know, he's, again, still the vice president, goes, tries to run for office again, loses, um, ends up doing this really weird thing where, I mean, like, it's conjecture mostly, and it might have, you know, historically, uh, Thomas Jefferson might have been trying to bury him, mm-hmm. um, both physically and metaphorically. But he, he, like, tries to get some of the land that was purchased in the Louisiana Purchase and, like, try to, like, set up his own and kingdom and stuff and then <laughs> like gets called out on it and then mm-hmm. gets like called back to Virginia to stand trial. He also got acquitted for, cause he was charged with murder after right. he shoots and kills Hamilton. Um, so yeah, that doesn't work out obviously, but he doesn't get charged with treason, which is like cool for him. So then he's in London. Then Pretty he gets, cool to not be charged with treason. I mean, yeah. <laughs> then he gets kicked out of London because um, the war of 1812. So he comes back to America and then he's just like hanging around and then like marries some like hot young thing who's like 19 and then uh, pretty much fades into obscurity. The last year of his life is like going through divorce proceedings and the man who's representing his ex-wife is Alexander Hamilton Jr. Oh, geez. <laughs> Isn't that just chef's kiss? Yeah, Infection. I mean, for the, the dramatic irony there. It's funny that, like, how we mentioned, like, he waits for it and waits for it, and he never wants to take a stance, and he's, you know, and then the one decision he makes just informs the rest of his life, almost telling him that he was right to never really take a stance on anything, <laughs> sure. just, just hang out and be around it. But he he was driven similarly by Hamilton. to He wanted to be in the room where it happened, and that was eventually his downfall. The, the show itself, too, is just... Uh, a spectacle of men and their egos. Oh yeah. Which you have to expect being, you know, it being a show about yeah. people who thought, you know what? I could start a country. Like <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then there's just a bunch of them. Um before we get too far away from some that juxtaposition though, I do want to talk about like the beauty of wait for it versus I'm not going to waste my shot and how early that's introduced. And it is like, you know, are you familiar with Chekhov's gun? That if a gun's yeah. introduced in the first act, it has to go off by the third. Mm. It's literally <laughs> the sort of flipping on the head of Chekhov's gun, which is that Hamilton says, I'm not going to waste my shot, which is in that case, not referring to a, a gunshot. Yeah. But in the one moment where... <laughs> where he should have probably shot. Would have and would yeah. have and would have killed Burr because mm-hmm. he was a marksman. Uh, you know, he was a, he was a veteran and like well skilled with a gun. If he wanted to kill Burr, he could have done it. Yeah. yeah, like shout out to the Aaron Burr's gun because that was not Aaron Burr. <laughs> that was all the gun, and it's just so funny because guns were so bad back then, and yeah. the accuracy was so crap. Well, and... it was the dancer carrying the bullet is who you need to. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but... Shout out to her too. She's she's a. She yeah. shows up all the all over the place during the this filmed one yeah. that's on Disney Plus right now. Well, I and I love the staging of it and how like the chorus, so to speak, all are wearing the sort of same costumes. They can quickly get in and out of like different coats and things. I think the costuming is so brilliant in that way too. Um, whether it's the main characters, or the background characters, mm-hmm. but similar to that, it's really cool how the stage is dynamic but the same mm-hmm. the whole time. There's only like desk sets and little you know tables and stuff like that. But the whole state, it's you notice it a lot more when you're at the show. Uh, we saw the show at the Ohio Theater mm-hmm. last February, um, but you notice it so much more. But it's just it's cool how 
they are able to portray so much with the same stage the whole time. It's just this like building of a colonial building. Basically. Well, it's like a, it, well, and it's a scaffolding because it's supposed mm-hmm. to be building under construction, right? Which I think is so cool. Too. And it works with the that idea. I mean, it's kind of purposeful because you need sets change fast because how sure. fast rap is, right? So you can't be in a bar scene because two meters later you're not in a bar anymore i i saw something interesting online because after i watched i wanted to do research and that if if the if the hamilton had been performed at the rate at which musicals are normally performed so like in the words per minute let's say that hamilton would have lasted six hours because of the (laughs) amount of of language that's packed into Mm -hmm. such a small amount of space which is incredible and of course like rap can do that in a way that most songs can't um and and let's not neglect like the wide variety of of musical genres and styles and even like within the rap genre the different Mm -hmm. kinds of of influences um I had to, I kind of had to laugh at the 10 dual commandments because oh, so good. it's inspired by Biggie, yeah. Yeah. the 10 crack commandments, mm-hmm. which I thought one was brilliant just to have that nod, yeah. but two was really good for, we think of dueling as being this antiquated thing. And it is, I think it's interesting, the parallels between that and like gun violence today, but the fact that they had this code of etiquette and that they in the show they lay it out so that you understand that dueling wasn't this obscure thing it was a thing that everyone knew about and you know even if it was kind of like frowned upon or technically illegal you could go go across the river and do it everything is legal in new jersey um still is still is yeah but i i love too that um his son philip the the song on the piano is the same as the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Like he's like counting to nine and doing the same thing. And the, like the point counterpoint, there's lots of cool musical stuff there. These of E Bach with counterpoint notation, right? And how like uh, Philip and uh, Eliza's lines diverge in the way that it's just very interesting to me. It's it's brilliant. Lin Manuel's brilliant is the I point. I mean, he he's like he's okay. I will say he's not like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, he's like low key right now, like one of the patron saints of Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And pretty much like him, Mark Anthony. Um, who else we got right now? Mad people, but you? oh, stop it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but even during like while I, again, I watched that PBS documentary. That's really great. Go check it out. It's free on YouTube. Um, he talks about how each rap for each of the characters is a stylistic choice. Mm -hmm. So Alexander's fast, hard, you know, always thinking while he's rapping. So it's like a lot of like big pun Mm -hmm. in there. Um, For Hercules Mulligan, it's like really deep. Bombastic. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and for, oh gosh, Washington's like so regimented Mm -hmm. and very clear with what he's saying. And um, I love like the best, my favorite example of this is Helpless when he's talking to Eliza and it's definitely like a jaw rule Ashanti vibe. Mm -hmm. And he like does that growl and I'm like, it sent me. It was incredible. Yeah. Well, then Jefferson, he's supposed to be the hoity-toity one, and he shows up with the most, like, classic music number in the whole show (laughs) with What Did I Miss, which is one of my favorite songs. But it's just, yeah, they do a good job of doing that. I remember we were watching that other thing, too, where it talks about how Lafayette, like, as he gets more ingrained with it he like starts to rap faster and like changes his style to be like like he's moving along with the decades of rap as he moves along with the years of the war yeah Yeah. so lafayette's french comes as an immigrant starts helping with the war efforts and as he stays in the show he just gets better at english Mm -hmm. and they even do the oh how you say oh anarchy (laughs) (laughs) yeah well then lafayette i mean cherry on top he has the fastest lines at that that last song for him Him in the first act he has the fastest lines of anybody in the entire show him and angelica for sure Mm -hmm. i i think we were talking about that i think i want to say that he lafayette has like 29 words in three seconds at his fastest, which is absurd. Like, think of how fast that is. Mark wishes. Mark wishes you could talk that fast. What would you? I don't need to talk that fast because I can talk that loud. So I don't need to get it out quickly. I can just get it out over everything else. You see, he learned the lessons of Hamilton, you know, (laughs) as long as you're loudest. Um, I. I think also we would, so I will say this. So I'm watching it for the first time last night. Laura and I are, my wife, Laura and I are watching it. And 
both of us for the first few numbers are like, this is cool. I don't get it yet. <laughs> and then uh, King George. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. How did I know? You and were for, gonna... Well, but for me in the first act, uh, King George and George Washington have hands down the best numbers. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, I history d- has its eyes on you. Oh, so good. But, I, I mean, the, I feel the breakup attacked. song is so oh. good. And do you know the story behind that is that Lin-Manuel was telling Hugh Laurie about the fact that he was going to be writing this song and Hugh Laurie <laughs> joked with him, you know, you'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I think that's just so, I mean, so cool. I love those little backstories, but I mean, especially King George is so good. And that actor who's just like spitting profusely as he Which is, is Jonathan something you, Groff. Yeah. yeah. It's something you get from the, the Disney plus uh, movie version that you don't get, you know, even in the front row, yeah. you're not going to be able to see those details quite so well, but he does such a good job with those manic Facial little things just and he starts to spit and it's because I'm a really big fan of those songs after we saw it live and every once in a while I'll just put it on on YouTube all three of them will just go yeah. in a row because I just I just really like them and the recorded versions like the official recorded versions mm-hmm. were done before they really started to hit their stride yeah. on stage and it's very different when he does it live once he learned like what are the parts I should hit mm-hmm. for King George and they're both good versions but being able to see up close his the things he's doing with his face are just amazing you know what so funny the spitting thing is not a choice like jonathan groff just apologizes for they call it groff sauce all Mm -hmm. that spit it's he just every time he's on stage that's just how he gets it out and it comes with spit well yeah he he said theater gets him wet like (laughs) (laughs) same oh my god it's the same for me I also thought too one of the cool parts about that performance is one of the reasons that his movements are the way they are too is because he was trying to balance a very heavy crown and so he couldn't do a lot of like there was could be very little physicality which is where the birth of the like shoulder dance comes from (laughs) and the I mean on Broadway you have to be more expressive with your face anyway because the audience can't see as well you know in the back row Um, but just how exaggerated he had to be with this part because it was the only thing that he could move freely (laughs) yeah especially for that first song when he's got also the big robe on he's got he's got no mobility yeah even and it's funny too when you and your wife are like yeah I, I don't I don't get it yet and then King George comes on. Um, the fact that it's like a Beatles-inspired, like British sounding, invasion, it, and people get it, and immediately yeah. people get it. Well, and that's not to, and I and I want to take a step back. That's not to take anything away from it, but people are obsessed with this show, right? Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And and up until that point, I was like, this is good. I'm not. I'm not fully. I'm not obsessed yet. And then that was the moment. I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. And then George, you know, George Washington stuff. I was like, all right, I'm into this now. And then by you know the second act, I'm I was fully on board. And we talked about you know the final song, just the like guttural like stomach crying that came with the last number. You know, after Hamilton's mm-hmm. been shot, and and uh, Eliza is is narrating all that she did after he died, which I think is incredible too, because they again set her up to be this like housewife of a character, and then you find out that she's the the reason his legacy is what it is, and then her own legacy, all these things she did on her own, like are incredible, right? And that's to say also that again. Jefferson, because he what was not busy enough being president. Um, Jefferson and Madison just go around after Hamilton dies, disparaging his mm-hmm. reputation, saying that he was a monarchist, um, he corrupt, lining his pockets with the money from the treasury. And in spite of all that, Eliza manages to to create this this thing for him mm-hmm. that who would have known. Like if, if, if Eliza had not forgiven him because she very easily could not have, um, how history would be so different now. For sure. Well, and I, again, I think it's a story that until this musical came along, most people couldn't have told you anything about Alexander Hamilton other than he's on the $10 bill and he got shot. Like Mm -hmm. what else did most people know about him before then? I, again, even educated people, people who are students of history might have known a little bit, you know, one layer deeper. Right. But I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm on board now. And talk about motifs. That's, that's the whole thing, right? It's what is a legacy? Mm -hmm. What is your legacy? And who is going to tell your story when you die? And it ends up being Eliza, which is the, the best thing about it. 
Yeah, a lot of I the, love that. A lot of the time those questions are posed and then not answered. Right. And Hamilton answers it like, this is who's going to tell that story. This is the reason you know this story. Um, and even and and that's an, such an interesting counterpoint to earlier in the show when she burns all of her letters mm-hmm. because she kind of had the foresight that those could be used against him later if they had been found or you know used in historical texts. Right, and and again in the, in the same vein, imagine if she hadn't burned those letters, what mm-hmm. would we know about Hamilton now, or what kind of insight would we have about her? Sure. But that was the way of taking her power back, and especially for women in history. Um, it's so hard to give them any agency. Mm-hmm. And one of the only ways that we do get that is in medieval history. It's through nuns and mm-hmm. their writings and stuff. And what we know about them is very little. It's mostly like monetary stuff like, oh, they bought this chicken and then exchanged that. And yeah, we suck. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but for Eliza, that's a way to say, you know what? No one has the right to know how I'm feeling because that right was taken from me the moment that he published this mm-hmm. for everyone. And it wasn't just like, just so people know, this wasn't just like a, oh, um, I'm just trying to clear my name. Like, that's not what happened. I was really having an affair with this one. He, in the pamphlet, is talking about how, like, flexible Mariah Reynolds is. It like, reads like a pen, like, dear penthouse. Yes. I can't believe it happened to me. <laughs> like, I'm so lucky, but it was all a mistake. And it was, I was, I was the victim, but like, wow was she good like you would too if it happened to you you know well i mean they they do line it up with say no to this that this was not just like your your idea of an old stuffy (laughs) sexual relationship they 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 juice it up with the sexiness in that song i even thought too it was interesting you know you think of of that time period as being so prudish Mm -hmm. in a lot i mean just at first glance i thought it was interesting too how the choreography played into that without being lewd Mm -hmm. very like suggestive in a way that you filled in the details in your own brain but not in a way that they portrayed anything explicit on stage or even talked about anything too explicit on stage for sure and if they if they didn't then hamilton would have done it for them (laughs) yeah for sure he was that kind of dude like i said he did do it for them he did yeah Yeah. there's a you can go read it now if you want to If there is this like hilarious thing um this chick tweeted um is it weird or is it okay if i put say no to this on my sexy playlist like asking for a friend or something um to which i say go for it it is a it is a jam yeah that's another thing that's that's really cool you know normally musical music or musical theater music is so its own thing and not mm-hmm. something you would listen to casually unless you were a theater nerd. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all my theater nerds. Mm-hmm. The thing that's neat about Hamilton, I think, is the way in which it incorporates all this these modern styles of music into this historical, like this period piece, in a way that is casually listenable, like uh, or, or casually hummable in a way that you don't feel like you're trying to be part of some theater performance. Right. Like if I go around the house singing Phantom of the Opera, which, <laughs> it's very different. Which don't knock it okay. no oh I, no i do go around the house singing phantom of the opera point being is that's that's a very different experience and and way less attainable i think than yeah. hot take um raul sucks he sucks um <laughs> he had one job keep your hand at the level of your damn eyes couldn't even do it that's i'll, I'll stop now well though. yeah Ra- everyone knows raul sucks. Who, sucks do people like raul i think some people do oh whatever that's you then you then you miss the point <laughs> you miss the point that the phantom's the hot one <laughs> Hot and tortured. That's how I like them. Yeah. You want somebody. Exactly. Because when I think think of hot and tortured, I think of Mark Finch. He's got a lot of layers. He's like an ogre. Ogre's got layers. Mark's got layers. I'm mostly just hot in this heat wave we've been having. It's a little dewy. Broadway, just in general, is elitist. And that's sort of the the antithesis of what I think Lin-Manuel was trying to do with this show. He's trying to make it, um, you know, common, you know, that someone who off the street can get it. Um, and that unfortunately is not what it became because it became like $2,000 a head trying to get into the show. Um, and that just speaks to Broadway as a whole. And I think it's a serious problem because, a lot of people can't get their hands on it even if they want to and how i think it's a obviously a question like we're not going to answer but how does broadway make it 
more accessible to people and not so um not so geographically elitist or exclusive um class exclusive to i think hamilton is it I think that we've seen is really one of the first shows to kind of break that barrier. Who's going to be the next show to try it? Who's going to be the next person to try to take something that doesn't seem like it should fit with rap or a certain type of music and try to like actually like really morph it. Now, I don't know a ton about theater myself, so maybe somebody already has and they're working on it or it's already out there. But I think that'll be interesting to see how much people will try to emulate the success of Hamilton, which, cause it will happen. Well, I think people, I mean, people have tried to make like rap on Broadway before and it hasn't worked because it's, um, in theory, a really bad idea. <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't, it, and I think that while this show certainly showcases all different kinds of rap, it does so with more it's got extra oomph to it yeah in a way and again in a way that like that is more accessible to people and um david diggs talked about the fact like because he talked about how the founding fathers are complicated and you can respect the country that they made and not respect that they like some of the things they did in their personal lives and he said like I, there are certain rappers who I respect as artists, but I don't like the misogyny. I don't like the violence. He said, I don't have to, I can, those two things can exist in the same space. Right. Porque no los dos. Why can't people be both things? People can be, um, people can be the guy who creates um, the first national bank and creates the New York Post and, you know, creates the first like Coast Guard and still be the guy who cheated on his wife. Sure. And and while he definitely history says that he definitely spoke up, uh, he was an abolitionist, although a quiet one of all the things that he was so loud about. Right. He was a quiet abolitionist because at the time he understood the political weight of that that held in the South and how unattainable, at least he, I think he thought it, thought it was an unattainable goal at that or part of a compromise, which it shouldn't have to have been a compromise, right. <laughs> but, and that's why history, you know, a lot of people have said Hamilton wasn't that, that great of a guy. And it's not the first musical to tackle this idea of, of the founding father struggling with putting or excluding slavery from like the constitution. Mm-hmm. I Mark last night, I make Mark watch 1776 and there's, 20 minutes dedicated to um, if they're going to get rid of basically exclude slavery from the Constitution mm-hmm. or, not, or the Declaration of Independence. It doesn't in a different way and it doesn't make it any less important. I think this one just is so glaring because you do have people of color on stage having these conversations. Mm-hmm. And for the people who say that it's worse in that way, I don't. I don't think I necessarily agree with that, but I, who am I to say, like, how, who am I to dictate how you feel? Sure. I mean, people can feel the way they want to feel about it. I just, I think it is valuable to keep in mind that telling the story of a person doesn't have to be glorifying a person. And I think Hamilton is a really good example of how these characters who are normally almost deified. I mean, if you think about Washington, he's practically treated like- They're on our money. (laughs) Right. I mean, he's treated like a god in some respects. You know, these these are people that are shown they have faults. They didn't do enough. They didn't do the right things. Even the hero of the show is shown to be not making the right decisions quite a bit of the time. Yeah, in a way, too, um, in a different way. Um, I did not know this until I watched the show. And then I did some more research about it. And it was true. Um, George Washington, the first time he gets a command, he basically screws the whole thing up yeah gets most of them killed and then has to live with that for the rest of his life and then arguably when the country needs him most he takes a step back and he tries to justify that but there's definitely opportunities for criticism sure and i think that yeah basically what you said i think that is exactly why i like hamilton so much is because there i mean i would have never thought of of george washington in that way before this Mm mm-hmm I think another thing it highlights well is uh, King George. His last line is the the good luck. Yeah. And it's like, it's so, we treat it so hunky-dory as, oh, they signed the Declaration of Independence, they won the war, and then it was all great. And I think the show does a good job of showing how even in these cabinets, it was not all amicable and it was hard to do this and these guys were constantly fighting because it's hard to do something like they did right well and that um while they all had this idea of of a a new nation 
they were idealists who were sometimes pulled in very different directions and were making like backroom deals to get stuff done. And you, yeah, you never see that chapter of history where there's literal wheeling and dealing over dinner <laughs> on things as important as a central bank. Right. Yeah. Backroom deals and also just like blatant lies in papers. Sure. Just like, uh, oh gosh, which election was it? I think it was Adams Jefferson. Um, I think at one point Adams like, uh, yeah, don't worry about voting for Jefferson because he died. <laughs> yeah, the, their relationship is another. <laughs> like, there is a whole other thing that probably you know what you ask what's next. I could see an Adams Jefferson musical very yeah. easily, or I mean, there are television shows about it, but yeah, um, because theirs is definitely a historic rivalry. Oh yeah, like newspapers. The damn media, right? And these guys, right. <laughs> well, if the, if somebody from the well, cabinet's coming to you and telling you something, you're going to run with it. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's funny because that's exactly, that's probably why he wrote the Reynolds pamphlet is because they're like, well, they have something on me. They Even if he didn't show them that letter, they have the, they were going to find something to make it seem so bad by just those receipts or whatever they had of so, him writing right. those checks. So are you ready for this? Lay the truth on us. So... James Reynolds, the wife of Mariah Reynolds, gets arrested. The husband of Mariah Reynolds. Yes. The, oh, did I say wife? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It is. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so he gets arrested for wheelings and dealings um, and other, another financial yeah. scandal. Um, he gets arrested, basically is like, okay, I get you arrested me. Want to know what's really good? Hamilton is doing some really shady shit. Um, <laughs> let me tell you what happened. Um, so basically, James Monroe gets this information, and James Monroe is actually the one who goes and confronts Hamilton and asks him, "Hey, are you engaging in speculation?" And James Monroe's cool. So goes to Hamilton. Hamilton's like, "No, dude, this is what's going on." Shows him all the receipts. Um, he's like, "Great, don't tell anyone." James Monroe's like, "Cool." immediately tells jefferson <laughs> and it's immediately in the immediately papers, yeah. yeah and it, well he jefferson actually keeps in his back pocket for a little bit mm-hmm. um until hamilton starts making noise again and then gives it to james calendar who then publishes it in the paper and then hamilton's like all right well guess what we're doing now is it amazing to you then because this is true that so jefferson and burr are facing off for the nomination in the the election of 1800 is it amazing to you then that Hamilton endorses Jefferson? No. Like, isn't that crazy? It's crazy, but it's it's so it's so on brand for Hamilton. If you stand for nothing, Burr, then what will you fall yeah. for? Uh, yeah, I mean, he says that right away at the beginning of the musical. Yeah, which I mean, if here's that's which it's not the musicals fault that's a part that if i didn't know that was history i would have been like i don't believe that <laughs> suspension <laughs> suspension of disbelief gone like i i would have had a hard time buying that again it's true it happened it's truly wild i mean and this is the guy who was calling him a monarchist mm-hmm. and telling everyone he could that he was corrupt and basically trying to destroy him and the, even still hamilton could not go against his principles yeah well especially when it came to burr and and there's a little bit of vengeance too for burr you know taking his father-in-law's senate seat i think yep and and the sh- i mean the show does a great job about that i would yeah. have known jack about all of that <laughs> unless i had seen the show sure and yeah he basically takes his senate seat and says since when are you a democratic republican and mm-hmm. burr goes since being one put me on the up and up again yeah which like same but can you blame burr though too all right. Well, and it's it, again, it's it's interesting too because Hamilton's mindset is clearly depicted as like, well, if I'm not going to be president, you're not going to be either. <laughs> and it's crazy that Hamilton was even in the running until all that Mariah yeah. stuff came out. Well, th- and that uh, that ideal about Burr switching parties to get elected, like a lot of people like to think they wouldn't do things like that. But I, I've said for years, if I had the opportunity to sell out, I'd do it in a second. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, even the question, like if, if duels were allowed and you and your friend got into like a pretty serious fight, I probably would go duel my friend.
So no. I'm gonna say. <laughs> Am I? Say maybe this. not. Maybe not a full on duel. No, just the one everyone shoots in the air and then the beef is squashed. Okay. But yeah, scandalous thing. I've been a political reporter for years. I know people who have done that. <laughs> like I know Dueled? politicians. No, no, no. Switch parties. <laughs> Switch parties because they knew it was the way they could get elected. Mm-hmm. So of course, <laughs> it, it happens a... in modern life too. Of course, yeah. I mean, ha- Alexander Hamilton is basically America's first sex scandal, but it's not like he's. He's inventing. <laughs> no, he didn't you know? invent it. it, it yeah. <laughs> He's the first fully reported on American sex scandal. There's definitely rumors, even in that time in the streets, sure. of plenty of impropriety. Exactly. And I, I, that's Which is a, why you should have just let it happen because it would have just, it probably would have just died out a little bit. Well, look at but Thomas then, Jefferson's ex- a very good yeah. example. Exactly. Of that. <laughs> Thomas yeah. Jefferson, at the same time, there were rumors going around. It's like, guess what he's doing with this slave? And everyone's like, Oh, are you gonna are you gonna respond to this? And Thomas Jefferson says nothing, and then it doesn't go away. But it just he doesn't he doesn't elect the president. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, then he gets elected president. Well, and one of the reasons Ben Franklin never ran for president was because he boinked anything with a pulse. I mean, oh, <laughs> like, shout pour one out for Ben Franklin. What a guy! Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> woo! And you're telling me as oof. Never mind. Well, we won't. Get into <laughs> That's a whole We're gonna, other podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait for the episode of Boink, Mary Kill where we talk about like <laughs> historical figures. I do love that. I would, play, I, would, I would play that game with my friends and family. That's a nerd association like... episode waiting to happen. Yeah, okay, Boink, pick... Mary Kill, and then one of the, the categories is, you know, 1776. I'll tell <laughs> I mean, you right now, celebrity. Alexander Hamilton, Paul Revere's on that list for me. <laughs> Ooh, Paul. Oh, my. That's stamina. Oh, heavens to Mercatron. <laughs> There's a there's a Britisher coming joke in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> wait, no, let's talk about Hamilton more. What do you have? What else what's do you your, have? What's your favorite song? It's hard for me to because I only saw it once and didn't like have the track listing in front of me. I don't know that I can. So let me think about. I I I don't know if I have a favorite song. I did say like the wait for it motif. I think is so good and is played in a way that's more subtle. Like not going to waste my shot shows up constantly and it's cool because of its foreshadowing and like the multiple ways it's used. But I just think Lin-Manuel from like a musical standpoint, from a motif standpoint, that that's a thing that is, that is easy to overdo. Like having those motifs show up throughout the show and just be one note. You have to be very careful when you do that style of music to have it mean different things when it shows up or it just becomes like a song that shows up multiple times and you start to get bored of it. Right. Um, so I, but I think that that is just, it's so intel like emotionally intelligent the way that it's played differently every time. And then even in the, the closing song, when he's saying, you know, Hamilton died and now I have paid for it. It's like it takes weight for it and changes that one word and changes the meaning of it mm-hmm. and the regret of it, the selfish regret and also the regret of, you know, him talking about Ham- Alexander Hamilton, who my friend who I shot. Like that's a hard dichotomy to right. I th- and I think Leslie Odom Jr. Like, bah, as yeah. as good as Lin Manuel is and is a genius and a great performer. Like you can't beat Leslie. Well, it's so funny that like Aaron Burr and Hamilton are opposing forces and throughout the show. And then at the Tonys, they get put up against each other for leading actor, Mm -hmm. leading male actor. And then, you know, Leslie Odom Jr. wins, Um, which, by the way, hot take, not so hot. I think a lot of people think this. Uh, Lin-Manuel is probably the worst singer in the show, which is saying something because he's a very talented dude. Yeah. Yeah, I I was surprised. Surprise is wrong. The amount in the show to which he puts the acting above the singing like his mm-hmm. his his delivery is so emotional that like sometimes he's pitchy and in a way that i love and yeah. is authentic it's a choice uh, i know i think i mean okay we can debate it but I, <laughs> I do think it's 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 a good thing i don't i don't mind it because i understand it 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 doesn't say that he's a bad performer but i agree with you that like of the voices on stage and of the performers on stage Vocally speaking, maybe not acting, but vocally speaking, he's not the strongest. Yeah, the best way to put it is he's the weakest singer of the group of a of a spectacular. That's of like a, yeah, yeah. That's like a, saying yeah. Ringo Starr was the worst Beatle. <laughs> like, guess what? Still a Beatle. <laughs> uh, 
my my favorite song is uh Washington on your side. That's I, so good. And especially on stage when uh, Burr starts going, it must be nice. And Jefferson, another little thing from Jefferson and David Diggs does it so well. Just like the like, what's this guy talking about? Just like, because he, I love, I love the way David Diggs acts Jefferson. Just so cocky and into himself and so sh- sure of himself, which is, it's just, it's played up just a little bit more than how any of the other characters, because all the yeah. characters are very into themselves, are very sure. But I mean, just Jefferson is just so. He's a caricature. Yeah, he's just yeah. so over the top. And then that song, and then I love how that song builds throughout it. And then it starts to, and then they shouldn't have dropped the F word. I'm, I'm super against that. They dropped two of the F words and kept one, that whole idea. Like what he means is they should have dropped the F word, but they didn't. Cause they, it's Disney they, plus. They, they blanked the F word yeah. <laughs> or they got rid they, of it. I know what you mean. It should have been in there still. That's one of my favorite lines of the whole musical. You should sue Disney. <laughs> yeah, that'll go over well. Yeah. I think so. I think you. I think you have a case. Yeah, you definitely can beat the most powerful corporation in the world in a lawsuit. Our dis- our overlords. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like I work with anybody who has a relationship with any Disney companies. So, what's your favorite song, J Lo? Oh. Back to motifs. I think helpless is mm. a great mo- that you just see throughout the show. Obviously, the first one is she's helplessly in love with Hamilton. The next one is she feels helpless in her situation. And I mean, it just is continuous. And it, it, that's a great one. But I, th- I think uh, it's it's different when I'm listening to the soundtrack and it, when I'm watching the show. Mm-hmm. When I'm watching the show, it's satisfied. Um, that is as close to Broadway perfection, I think, as we're ever going to get. Or is that I'm ever going to be able to see? Um, the choreography of that, the thought of that, the record scratching in the Disney Plus version, they, they do the cuts. So it's like we're there in her head about how things could have played differently. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's well, so good. And using the turntable stage to such perfect effect in oh. that way, like especially in that number, the way that that plays in. I mean, it's it's very cool throughout, but especially there. Yeah, it's perfect. I love it. So cl- closing thoughts, closing act. What's the gasp at the end? What does it mean to you? That's not that's not for me to say, is it? Um, <laughs> oh, my. I don't know. It's different for every actress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the director, Thomas Kale, was saying. Is that it's He has a conversation with them and goes over what they think it means to them. I would hope... Well, I, I think if, it, if I was Eliza, what the gasp would mean is um, look at all of the things that he built and that I tried to protect and look at all of you guys. And I think it, the show is a testament to that. Mm-hmm. I would agree that it's something like that, that it's a, it's like an emotional release of how much work Eliza put into keeping what Alexander Hamilton did and just a final like gasp of it's not exasperation. Exactly. It's just an, a release of emotion after she sings about the rest of her life where she had she did so much work for that. And then just at, at, at the last moment, she can finally just let it all let it all out and then you know, presumably possibly join him in the afterlife. Yeah. That was not something that was in the script or that Lynn had anything to do with. And, but thought was cool and left in his take on it. Apparently is that he's always thought of it as her looking through time, whether to see Hamilton in heaven or wherever, uh, (laughs) or to like looking to the, literally like looking through time to the audience Mm. Or looking through time to the present day, you're right. I mean, there isn't an answer. I guess I'm just, I'm interested in people's perspectives on that because that to me was unsettling in the best way because right? it was because it's there and you expect that something is going to come to tell you why and you don't get it. It's very much like the rosebud moment of that. <laughs> play. Well, right? Yeah, it's the perfect ending, but you want more. Mm-hmm. Well, because the rest of the musical is very much explained throughout you know especially it's a musical too you were talking about the accessibility of it because of rap being you know rhythm and poetry it's almost like spoken word poetry especially Mm -hmm. at certain points when they really want to make sure you're paying attention and hearing something whereas in a traditional musical you're not getting each word individually it feels like and so i think that's like you were saying there's so much more explained in this musical and then the last thing you get 
is just the most ambiguous piece by far. Yeah. So yeah, something that, de- that perhaps defies explanation. Like maybe, and again, no, there's no agreed upon one right answer. It's very, it's very good. It caught me off guard. <laughs> again, I was that was after having those sort of like deep gut cry, like welling of tears, trying to not just be like, <laughs> and then that happens. You're like, whoa. whoa. It's an emotional roller coaster. That yeah, last and it's number. A, it's a different experience too, because I mean, the first time that I experienced it was through the soundtrack mm-hmm. and you don't get that on the album and you get that in the show. Yeah. So when you go see the show, I think it hits harder. Sure. Because you think, you know, what's, you think, you know, where you're, where you are. Yeah. And it's just who tells your story, the very quiet mm-hmm. ending. And then at the show, it's like, oh, like I'm going to embarrass myself. In public right now. Cool. Post credit yeah. scene. <laughs> wow. The the gravity of the silence and then the you could hear the eyes rolling like gravel in a tumbler. I mean it, <laughs> You you better hope I die first. <laughs> What are you gonna tell? How are you gonna tell my story? You're never gonna know. <laughs> Ooh. Yikes! Uh, <laughs> well, on that note, uh, this has been Nerd Association. Uh, thank you for coming on, Jen, and talking to us about your nerddom of Hamilton. Uh, super cool. I pro- I would have eventually watched it, but the two of you were the ones that convinced me that I had to do it now. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, thank you for that. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. timely. Let's be friends. Yeah, I would like that very much. Jen is one of our first nerds, or at least in the the early group of nerds. You could be one of our nerds. Uh, If you want, you can reach out to us by finding us on Twitter at nerd underscore asoc, N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can email us at nerdasoc at gmail.com. Shout out to folks that are doing that. Uh, We've been getting some feedback, and it's very cool to hear from you. uh, And we take those recommendations seriously. And you don't have to be engaged to me to be one of our nerds. That is not a prerequisite. This is, I mean, that's why she's engaged to me. She really wanted to be on the podcast because it's such a big deal, but you don't have to. Uh, Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll be back next week. (laughs) 